Voices of Upstream is the official podcast of the Upstream Initiative. Upstream is a celebration of Minnesota's natural places and the people who care for it. I'm Andy Goldman Gray, Initiative Director for Upstream. Upstream is a love letter to Minnesota, and we lift up and tell the stories of how we, as Minnesotans, care for our places and our people. We're doing it because Minnesota is special, and we have a common love of our state, and we all agree on the need to care for it. In our travels and conversations from all across our great state, from the Arrowhead to the Red River Valley, Austin to East St. Paul, we've witnessed something amazing, a shared value of caring for our natural places. It's evident that across what may seem like big differences, our geography, our ethnicity, our politics, we all love where we live, and we all take steps to be good stewards of Minnesota. So this podcast is a way to introduce you to some of the people we've met who love and care for this state. We're going to their favorite places, parks, forests, lakes, fields, the places they find special. We're going to find out what makes their places special to them and hear from them about how they care for their places. of Upstream. I'm your host, Andy Goldman Gray, Initiative Director for Upstream. Today we're on the banks of the Mississippi at a rowing club with our advisor, Jason Adkins. Jason is Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, which is the public affairs arm of the Catholic Church in Minnesota. Jason and his family live in St. Paul, not far from the fairgrounds. In addition to being a rower, Jason's an active volunteer for many organizations and loves being outside when he can. Great to be with you down here on the Mississippi, Jason. Andy, this is awesome. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. We literally couldn't have picked a better day. It's about 90 degrees, a cerulean blue sky with some cotton puff clouds and a nice breeze to keep us cool. And the sound of the river is just, it's kind of hypnotizing today. It sure is. So Upstream celebrates our natural places. So describe your rowing club to folks and, and just the surroundings, where we are. Well, Andy, this is a place where I literally go upstream. I get in a boat and we row upstream uh, between here and uh, downtown. And it is just a place of peace. It's a place where you can kind of reconnect uh, and center yourself and get out of the hustle and bustle and get into something that really challenges you both body and mind. And uh, it's really a, just an opportunity to reconnect with our the beauty of our natural surroundings here in this river valley with all the, co the colors especially in the fall it just lights up and you see a bald eagle swooping down and catching a fish and you go wow this is really fantastic yeah one of the things i love about minnesota and then this part of minnesota specifically is we're literally probably 500 yards from Lake Street or Marshall Avenue, mm -hmm. um, but it, we are out in the wilderness. Like we're literally, you can hear a little bit of car noise, but we're out of the city. We're right on the river. It's beautiful. Just a great place of peace. For, exactly. So I've always wanted to know, so when you're rowing on the river, do you like going upstream better or going downstream more fun? Well, it depends on which way the wind's blowing. Typically we go upstream um, and then like to, then when it's, you're coming back, it's easier to go downstream after you've had a long workout. But sometimes it's, uh, it's for a change of scenery, we, we'll take the boats and go downstream uh, toward the Ford Parkway Bridge. So for folks that, um, you know, you've probably seen rowing in the Olympics, tell us a little bit about your rowing club and what you do here and the kind of boats you row and what your job is on the boat. So we row in singles, uh, four-person four boats, eight-person boats, and there's either sweeping or sculling. Sweeping involves uh, one oar and sculling involves two oars. And oftentimes you'll hear the word crew. Sometimes you can row single, but sometimes you row in a crew. And there's just one of the best things is working together as a team, getting your, your rowing stroke all uh, rowing in, in 
like a it's like a symphony. Every part comes together, and that boat just hums and sings across the water and moves so gratefully. And so it's a work that requires incredible personal endurance and physical fitness, but at the same time, there's a, a collaborative dynamic to it too. We, the boat can't succeed without each person pulling their oar, so to speak, and doing their part. And can you tell when one of your, one of your boat mates is having an off day? Like, can you feel it when, yes. when the team's not working? When cadence? the team's not working and there's not that nice stroke cadence or something's off, you can feel it. And then it's, uh, it's on everyone to work together and set the boat correctly. You all have to make, you all have to make little adjustments. It's kind of like a lesson for life in many ways. It's, you want it, you work as a team. We all, we all hang together and none of us can, we're no, no person's an island and uh, we got to build each other up and no one succeeds without the rest of the teammates. So a lot of metaphors here at the rowing club. For indeed, sure. indeed. So this is one of your favorite outdoor places. How does this place make you feel and why is it important to you? Well, especially when you have a busy professional life, the, the ability to come someplace and, and by and large be able to put the work I'm in, which is largely politics, uh, on its own and do things in common with really diverse people. I mean, there's people from all walks of life here, all different perspectives. Just put all that aside. You never know who you're going to be in a boat with. Honestly, it's a mystery every time you come to the club who the coaches are just going to throw in a boat together. So there's that dynamic of you know, learning and getting to know your teammates and the other people in the club, but at the same time, just having a place of, of respite and you know, leisure um, is not just not doing something, it's also a place of contemplation. And like I said, this is for me just a place to get my head outside of the hustle and bustle and refocus. And especially when I'm in a single, just being able to think and, and contemplate and, and relax is really important. So the, the environment here is, um you know, it's in, it's in 3D. We've got colors and sounds and smells. So describe for our listeners what you're seeing and hearing and smelling today. Well, we, we've got the place to ourselves right now. So it's largely just that the, the, the waves hitting up on the shore, a little bit of wind, and um, just being absorbed by green. And uh, we always joke about green being one of those calming colors, but also one of the hopeful colors. And that's what we're surrounded with today. But just that, the way in which water can be such a calming presence and uh, the current's not going too fast today. So it's just really lovely. So you started rowing in college, right? Correct. And what got you into that as a, as a sport or as a pastime? I, I wanted to, you know, college is a place of new beginnings. And I'd played soccer and basketball in high school, but wanted to try something new and was really enamored with what I saw and you know all the dynamics I talk about, the reality of you know working together as a team but really challenging yourself. One of the reasons I keep rowing is because it pushes me. I don't always love it, frankly. Some days when I come down here at 5.30 in the morning, I, don't, I wanna be somewhere else like my bed, but it's just something that really challenges me. And then when I finally get that boat on the water and I get going, I'm just so grateful. I'm like, I'm so glad I pushed myself to do this, but it's really something that challenges me as well. Now, how do you get the job um, of the guy on the back with the megaphone? Oh, the coxswain, uh, spelled coxswain. Um, that's something you volunteer for. Some people just, that's what they love doing. They love being the person who helps that crew come together and steers the boat. I mean, th those are people who have servant's hearts and are servant leaders. And um, especially in an eight, one of the most valuable members of that crew, even though they're not specifically pulling an oar. I feel like that's the job for me. I think I'd like that one. Yeah, you, you are you are the coxswain of upstream for sure. Andrew. Well, we got to keep the giving us direction. Going. We have giving to keep direction. the cadence yep. going. 
got to get that right rhythm. We got to encourage everyone and we got to keep moving in the right direction. And that's what a coxswain does. And that is what you do. And I am grateful for that. Working with a really diverse team and Indeed. everyone here that's for it. their own reasons, for exactly. sure. So um, sometimes being outdoors is about solitude, but sometimes it's about fellowship. So what's one person alive or dead, someone you know, or someone famous that you would love to be here today with um, at your rowing club? Well, that, you know, I, that's a great question. And I was, you know, thinking about who would I want to bring down here? And I think that we you could bring down lots of famous people or someone else, like who do you want to have dinner with? But I'd really like to bring down someone who lives in our cities in our sometimes ugly built environment that, that is more oppressive than ennobling. And to say, look, there are these spaces right in our city here that you should know about and you should experience and to kind of, you know, and we should share that together. And so that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind is that people who don't experience this kind of beauty on a regular basis, they should know that this is very close to home and, and, uh, and experience that. And, you know, one of the initiatives of our rowing club here is to reaching out to people who don't have access to rowing opportunities for socioeconomic reasons, but also persons with disabilities. So our club has really made an initiative doing that. And I think that's important. So you go up upstream figuratively as mm -hmm. well as literally. Correct. Um, and going upstream figuratively means taking care of this beautiful place that we live in. What's something that you do to care for place? I think, you know, there's the, the old the line, leave no trace. And I have mixed feelings about that because I think the, the answer is leave the right trace. But even if we st start with leave no trace, that just means leaving places where you found them. And so when I'm up uh, on one of my other favorite plate, hab natural habitats, the North Shore, you know, and I'm hiking with my family, you know, just making sure that we leave no trace and we leave the places we found it. And then sort of the simple things, like if you see trash lying around, and it seems like we've had an experience of proliferation in litter in the Twin Cities, especially over the last couple of years, do what you can to just pick that up and take the easy steps. I mean, those are just the small things. You know, our, you know, one of my favorite spiritual writers says, let's do small things with great love. We can't do great things all the time, but we can all do small things. And that's the place to start. And so you're obviously a good dad. You bring your kids hiking, camping, um, you really support them. And one of the things that we do is pass on and, and teach about how we care for this place. What's the thing that, one thing that your family does together? Or what's something that you try and pass on to your kids about, uh, about stewardship of this gift that we've been given? First of all, you got to learn to love the place, and I think that's the key. You know, so it's, you know, one of our themes is loving where we live, and that's one of the things that brings us together. And so, first of all, you got to get people out and experiencing this. Um, I try to teach my kids the the idea that you know, all, like, and look all around and and see the hand, the fingerprints of the Creator by the work of creation. And so, loving the things that we've been given and loving them as and receiving them as a gift. And when we receive things as a gift, therefore we're called to be stewards. So in what ways uh, are we good stewards of our natural place and our, and our natural surroundings? And, and just modeling that for others and doing the easy and the small things that we can to pick up after ourselves, to leave no trace when that's appropriate and uh, do, that, do those small things that everyone can do. Recycling is, we're hardcore on recycling. I mean, I think that is just one of the easiest things that people can do. And so we're, we're pretty much sticklers about that at our house, and that's number one. So you obviously work with a number of churches and dioceses, and um, 
people don't always go right to the idea that churches are leaders in sustainability or environmental work, um, but you're leading efforts to change that, both that image and the way that we engage our faith communities with our natural communities. So why is it so important to connect those things and what is the Minnesota Catholic Conference doing to, to help connect those? Sure, it, especially if I can't, I can speak for Christians and to a certain extent Jews because we share the same book. And the story begins with God in heaven making us, giving us the garden, putting us in a garden and the responsibility to till and to keep. And sometimes we've done more tilling than we have keeping to say the least, but that's a very, that's the very heart and the origin of our story. So if we forget that, we've forgotten something very fundamental about our identity and who we are as disciples. And so what we've really tried to do, especially as of late, is help recover that idea that stewardship and being a steward of creation is a constitutive part of discipleship. And that's what I think Pope Francis has really given a boost to that mentality when he wrote his uh, papal letter, Laudato Si, on the care for our common home to help develop this idea that we're responsible for tilling and keeping. And he wrote that uh, encyclical, that letter to all people of goodwill, not just Catholics, and to say, look, at this is our common home. Sometimes he speaks in very plain language. It, it comes off as an immense pile of filth, but that means we have to double down and take steps to, to create, to, to fix that. And that could mean everything from working on climate issues and pollution issues, but also just doing those things in our own lives and changing our own consumer and eating habits, because eating is a moral act, for example. Um, and how we consume those resources as well. These are important things to consider. And that's, so that's, we've tried to bring home his encyclical in our own set of teaching materials and resources and encourage study groups uh, around this. And our version is called Minnesota, Our Common Home, trying to foster a, a love of place and then B, that sense that stewardship is a part of who we are. And so how have you seen that um, exemplified in your member churches or just in faith communities that you're um, a part of and have a relationship with? There are a lot of great conversations going on right now in the Catholic community about um, how we consume things, what money is for, um, this whole idea of ecological conversion. Uh, this is sort of one of the catchphrases that's being thrown around. How do we cultivate an ethic and a way of life that respects both human persons and the environment and does justice to both? So you're seeing everything from uh, parishes more proactively putting large recycle bins in their places where they haven't done so, to um, community gardens, to uh, solar paneling, um, everything that they can to go green, but also, you know, just having that general ethic of fostering that general ethic of stewardship and saying, what are the practical steps that we can take in our own lives uh, to make those changes? So, a lot of exciting. Initiatives, we have partner organizations such as Catholic Rural Life, which are working with farmers to say, how do we be good stewards of the land? What does it mean to be an agricultural leader? Yes, feeding humanity and the population is important, but there's a right way to do that, um, consistent with the, the plan, the providential plan of creation. So a lot of great things happening in the Catholic community around these issues. So you talked when we came down here about this is an escape from your busy professional life, and I know both your day job and your active and evenings on other other volunteer efforts. What attracted you to working on Upstream? I love the idea in a time of polarization about finding ways to come together and build common ground for the common good. That's a strong value at Minnesota Catholic Conference and so to partner with other organizations who legitimately want to do that. It's not just 
talking the talk, but also walking the walk. And that's been my experience these past four years of bringing together diverse partners around that. So that's super exciting. And then second, of course, the timing. Sometimes in life, timing is everything. And so we were looking for practical ways to advance the stewardship conversation and then partner with others. And then all of a sudden upstream appears. And you know, we call that in the Catholic world, we call that providence. So sometimes timing is everything. But uh, just being a, an ambassador for this initiative and trying to provide some leadership too in the faith community, how can we contribute to this uh, common effort of upstream and building partnerships, building engagement, and adding some value. So I really felt like we could do that and our bishops were super excited about that and felt that was a strong uh, responsibility. And so that's why we became one of the first organizational partners of Upstream. Well, you were the first organizational Well, partner. I didn't want to say that I let you do that. I'm going to brag on your behalf. Great. Um, yeah, that, that table that we sit at. Um, so right now there's, call it 25 ambassadors uh, and advisors to this organization. There's faith communities and secular and business and agriculture and uh, the arts. We've just got such an amazing group. And one of the things that I take away from every one of those meetings and the work that we do together is that everyone wants to do something. And we, we either need examples or inspiration. And those 25 people provide that in, you know, in great amounts, just heaps of inspiration, people who are doing amazing things, and then examples of both small acts like recycling and big acts like sustainability plans for whole parishes. It's just really exciting to be with people of great difference who really have common mindset about how we care for this place that we all love together. Indeed, absolutely. And uh, we've been inspired certainly by the collaboration and the engagement already of so many uh, great partners who've bought into this vision. And the ways in which, of course, that will create partnerships and relationships even outside these issues, I think, are really important, too. I mean, there's such a need, like I said, to build common ground for the common good. And, and so we talk in the Catholic community about the politics of encounter. Um, it's clear on so many levels that people are talking to fewer and fewer people and don't understand the perspectives of others. And so if there are ways that we can bridge those gaps and create those opportunities, and if upstream is that dynamic, then that's really wonderful and fantastic. So I'm assuming you've uh, traveled all around Minnesota as part of your work and traveling with your family. What's one thing that you think is unique in Minnesota that people from other places should be jealous about? Well, certainly the lakes are the first thing to come to mind. I mean, we do are, we are blessed here with a diversity of sort of uh, topography and uh, even, you know, the Sawtooth Mountains might not quite be mountains, but there's some, there's some hills. Uh, but just the lakes, I mean, for sure, water is such a calming presence. And so why do we have this cabin culture? Because these are places of respite for people. They're places of fellowship, of family gatherings, of memories. And yeah, Florida has a lot of lakes, Michigan, Wisconsin, they all have a lot of lakes, but that's not true in a lot of other places. A lot of places don't have the kind of shoreline that we have. And we even have a big shoreline up on the North Shore, which is an incredible blessing. But water has that just, you know, water is life. It not only nourishes us, but um, it also, there's something about it that brings peace. So for someone that grew up in Apple Valley, lives in St. Paul, this is probably a question that it's hard to imagine, but if you couldn't live in Minnesota, where would you choose to live? Well, yeah, you've, you've hit it on the head, Andy. I'm an upper Midwest guy, Great Lakes through and through. I was born in Detroit, actually, but um, I love the upper Midwest. I love the Great Lakes region and really don't want to live anywhere else. But I love coastal areas and I like Alpine regions. So uh, Jackson Hole, San Diego, Charleston, these are some of the places that wouldn't seem all that bad to, to set up shop in. 
Well, when I was thinking about it, I thought you might choose Vatican City, but maybe a nice place to visit. Um, a nice place to, I lived in Rome for a year actually. Did you? And uh, it was an awesome experience. I didn't drink coffee at the time, which was a huge mistake, but um, yeah, it's a blessing, but it's it's some place that's just got a lot of noise and a lot of hustle and bustle. And you have to appreciate, each place has its own unique gifts and they, that Rome has its own unique gifts. Um, but it's it's not, you always wanna come back. I lived in Houston for a year. I lived in Rome for a year. I'm from Detroit, but inevitably it's it's again that love of place we always come back there's a gravity here and yeah, we appreciate is. having you in minnesota jason well likewise appreciate the friendship and the fellowship and the strong partnership andy so thank you well thanks for inviting me to your favorite outdoor place and thanks for going upstream thank you thanks for listening to voices of upstream a podcast celebrating minnesota's natural places and the people who care for them you can learn more about upstream and the people and places we celebrate by going to www.m upstream.org and following us on social media at MN Upstream on Instagram and Facebook and Minnesota Upstream on LinkedIn. Take 15 minutes every Friday to get outdoors to one of your favorite places and take a photo, breathe fresh air, and connect to our great outdoors. Tag your photos with hashtag Fresh Air Friday and follow us at MN Upstream. That's all for today. Onward and upstream. <laughs>